Hey. Hello. Hello. Welcome. First of all, an Again. apology for missing last week. That's that's hung with me. That's the first time we've well, missed yeah, an episode. I was actually pretty upset about it too and trying to think of excuses that we can run past. I'm like, well, it was Easter or, you know, we're we between were sick. books. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like when we've got when we're in when we were in the first book, like we could bank two, three episodes. Yeah, and it was a lot easier. And so it was easier to work around. And now that we're sort of in this limbo and reading this older version of the book is time consuming because like we're comparing it like page by page going back and forth so it's not just like well we'll read a couple chapters and then give our yeah. thoughts uh, we're going not- word by word you say a word and then i look at my bird i look at my uh, book and i say oh it says this word and then sometimes we don't even know what the words yeah. are and so we, we put, have to google the words and we put both those words into a spreadsheet yeah so it, it takes a while and so not we're, we're making excuses and I feel bad about that. But so just wanted yeah. to apologize for missing a week. Uh, we're going to do our best to avoid that in the future. Yeah. Give the fans what they want. We got uh, tons of complaints. I was going to say like almost 900 yeah. complaints about like, where's the episode? Where's the episode? Yeah. I need this. I'm a doctor and I always listen to it while I do surgery. Like there's, there's people who rely on this and uh, we're sorry. We'll try not to let it happen again. And uh, Dr. Jones out there, we do apologize. Uh, he did, in fact, lose a patient, unfortunately. <laughs> I was just going to say, Dr. Jones, we're sorry. And to the family of Mrs. Robinson, we're very sorry. Henry Robinson. Oh, Hen Robinson, yeah. He choked on a bulb. <laughs> we get some we get some details uh in the book that we didn't have about the Applegates and stuff. So oh my last time like we, we, for the first of the three and we may have to stretch it into just a couple more episodes. Really I don't doubt that. These. Um but the the first episode comparing them like it took us a while because we're you know going through our spreadsheet word by word. And this time we did something we've never done before, and that was I read ahead. Yeah. I'm blind, and, and you're and you're coming in at blind. this moment, yeah. But hopefully, what this this does is it speeds things up a little bit, gets to the good parts. I made some notes. I've got some bookmarks for things that happened Ooh, um, nice. that I want to pause on. But we can skip a lot of the uh, exposition that is mm-hmm. the same uh, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, that that's that's how this is structured a little bit. So yes, I'm in the know, and I'm in the bit, dark, and you're in the dark. I'm a dark man at the you're moment, in. and. Urine. Urine dark. That's a good name, actually. Uh, I'm excited to be in the dark. Um, but I'm also terrified. It was fun for me to read it alone. Because I feel like typically we're reading together, like right before we, we podcast, and we're sort of on a schedule. Yeah. Um, and so like we're reading somewhat quickly. I'm taking notes. And I was able to just sort of relax and read it. Mm. And in stark contrast to chapter 20 from the last book, where we were reading on <laughs> stage in front of, in front of a room full of people, yeah. that was, I feel like I, I got so little out of that chapter compared to what I normally get. Yep. So this was nice to just sort of sit here um, this morning. It was yeah, a, just a quiet a little, little morning. It's overcast. Quaint little uh, morning. You today have your is, book. is you Saturday your the 27th. Saturday the 27th. Yeah. Just, just, just having a, a sweet a little Saturday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a cat on a chair. There's a dog on a rug. This is a very uh, cliche reading experience, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Well, uh, so what what happened last? I'm I'm trying to remember where we leave off. So where we left the boys right at the tower robbery, right? No, we weren't quite there yet. When we left them, Chet had just pranked. Uh, oh, the, yeah, yeah, Carhorn. Lem Billers. Yeah. Um, Laziest man in nine counties. Got a bunch of, of exposition on Chet. Um, so what had happened was the, the car was stolen, and mm-hmm. then they were, like, not that concerned about it. They ran into Kelly Shaw, who dropped a cake, which was hit by the Oh, in uh, which car. they ran over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we just... There's no progression of the plot. We just have an entire chapter... Dedicated to Chet's joke <laughs> of pranking Lem Billers. Um, and so all I covered was the next two chapters. Yeah. Which are where they find the car, um, like in the woods in Willow Grove. Mm-hmm. And then the chapter where they learn that the Tower Mansion has been robbed. And we learn about the Applegates. And Heard comes to Fenton Hardy and asks him to investigate. Ooh. So that's all I covered was those two chapters. Yeah. Um, but I've got to say, we've been leaning hard on like some reports mm-hmm. that these books are racist and stuff like that. And so far, it's not. 
Yeah. I, I, I haven't run into anything yet. And granted, we haven't specifically met Tony Preto. Right. Which or I Rocco. Was, yeah. And this was the chapter, uh, the first chapter, um, so to get to it here, uh, chapter six in the old version is called Tire Tracks. And they this is when they find the car in Willow Grove. But in the new version, this is stretched out where we meet all the people. Like you meet Biff Hooper. Uh, mm-hmm. You meet Tony Preto. Yeah, the gang and, ignites. Yeah, yeah. Everybody. No one is mentioned in this one. It's just like the guys get together. Um, unless I, I oh, there's no over names it. actually assigned to any of the guys besides Chet. Yeah, it's just uh, they met the other boys, half a dozen in all, on the road on the outskirts of town. Um, yeah, it's not. There's there's no so names I'm associated to think with it's these the people. The new ones that are racist because some of those Rocco lines are pretty insane. Yeah, like like the 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 voice. In which yeah. they write Rocco is, is a little intense. I yeah. feel like that's uh, the that's whole fair. idea of the Italian district being so disgusting. If none of this is in this book, it's going to blow my mind. Yeah, and like the the process that got us to like making these assumptions about the Italian yeah. neighborhood and stuff like that because it never said the Italian neighborhood. We we added that comic tone. Because we knew that the books were racist toward Italians. But so far, there's been little evidence of that. And I'd like to... And granted, this yeah. is only the first book. And they did write like 50 of these and then rewrote them. So I don't know that we're going to do I a book I think we might debunk this myth, though, for the first one. Yeah. And they're sort of meaner I like in, that, the, in the new book. Like, it, yeah. it's weird what they change. Like, like... There's a whole chapter dedicated to Chet just being a goofball and, mm-hmm. and pranking Lem Billers, um, which isn't in the new version. No. But then there's a whole bunch of stuff in the old version about, like, working hard to, like, make have good observation skills. Like, Fenton did a whole speech about their school superintendent or whatever. Yeah. If he's a hairman, not a hairman. Yeah, if he's a, a, what a kind button of, shoe. Yeah, what kind of shoes? Uh, Look at his it, shoes. Are they buttoned? The, the Elks Lodge. Yeah. He's yeah. an Elksman. So, like, it's weird what they chose. It doesn't seem to be based on racism. It doesn't seem to be based on, like, action. No. Because there is there is more action in this version. But then there's also, like, the, the new version. There was a whole bunch of chasing that happened with this car. Uh, mm-hmm. Red versus blue. Chip and paint flex. Oscar Smuff taking him to the auto impound oh, yeah, and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, found the car. Not in this? None of that <sighs> happened in this book. Like, they've they've interacted with Smuff very little. They, yeah. they saw him at the thing, and then they see him. Uh, he's the one that just says uh, the tower mansion's been robbed. Like oh, they, wow. they see Detective Smuff of the police force. It says, yeah, um, but like they don't give him a hard time or anything like that. They're not. They're not doing anything different yet. So it's right. like I don't know why they have to. Like it seems like they rewrote the new ones to be mean to Oscar Smuff. Like they just picked this character and they're like you know what, we should have the kid. We should have this guy be an idiot. And yeah. then have the kids make fun of him openly for it. Which, and, in this one, they're just more playful. Or yeah. at least from what I've read, it's like, these actually seem like fun teenage boys, like boys that I want to hang out with. And they're 14, or they're, they're 15, 15 and 16. 15 and 16, yeah. That's an entirely different child yeah. than a 17 and 18 year old. Yeah, making them 17 and 18, you're just making them bitter turds. Yeah, all the same detective skills of yeah. a 15 and 16 year old, <laughs> but with different social expectations. <laughs> And a 15, 16-year-old, share a bedroom. Yeah, Go for I can, it. I That's can get fine. down with that. Yeah. yeah you're, you're, you're 15 I and think 16. I shared a bedroom with my brother until I was 12 or 13. Yeah. We had bunk beds, though, given I didn't sleep in the same bed with them because I'm not a weird hardy boy, but, you yeah. know. But when you're 17 and 18. Yeah. And the, the other thing that strikes me about this book, and, and, and we'll get into it in a second, but the theme I'll keep coming back to is, like, what is 1929? We were making jokes last episode about like, you know, everything's just farmland. You get married when you're, you're <laughs> yeah. 13 and so first blood basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what is 19 what is it like to be alive in in 1929? Like there was a horse-drawn hay cart that Lem Billers had going down the highway yeah. that the the cars were upset with. Like is that common at that time? Cuz I feel like when they rewrote these in the 60s, yeah, you got to take out Lem Billers on like pulling a cart of hay yeah. with a horse-drawn carriage through the street. Or maybe just like, make them Amish. Yeah. 
And and then I guess you have to be racist toward Amish people, <laughs> which is not, which is a reputation you could have because they're never going to find out. They're never going to. They're not going to hear this. That one's easy. Yeah. That's low hanging fruit. <laughs> low hanging Rocco's fruit. Um. So yeah, chapter six, tire tracks. I'm going to take a sip of coffee. Do yeah. You have, do you sip have any? Up. So you know that they don't. Uh, we don't meet the boys. But do you have any expectations about how this may be different? Then, then you know it from the new version. I'm gonna say they're not taking that lunch. They're not taking those naps, and Mom didn't pack them uh, a brown bag of chicken sandwiches. I'm gonna read you <laughs> yeah. the second paragraph. It's <laughs> a good pause. <laughs> Mrs. Hardy quickly made up a generous package of sandwiches. Damn it. Furthermore. Not forgetting to slip in several big slices of the boy's favorite cake. <laughs> so, so not only... Why does she have several <laughs> slices of cake? And uh, why would you put that in a bag? Yeah. It's, this is a cake we're dealing with. It's going to get hot. It's going to get runny. It's going to get all over. Was it iced? So a couple different... We, we don't have any details about the, the cake's icing or anything. Um, but notably, this is not a detective mission. It's a Saturday. The next day was Saturday, and immediately after breakfast, the Hardy Boys asked their mother to make up a lunch for them, as they intended to spend the day in the woods with a number of their school chums. Okay. They're not searching garages and meeting up in Willow Park later. And Dad's not joining them. Dad's not joining them. Mm. Um, and so they, they meet at the road, and Chet gets there late, uh, and we get this thing about Chet. When they reach the crossroads uh, where they're going to meet... Uh, Chet had not yet appeared, so they rested in the shade of the trees at length until the chubby youth came panting along the road, <laughs> his lunch under his arm. Okay, dude can't get a break in the 20s. They decided to keep that part in. I like that he's panting, too. Uh, he also probably uh, is wanting to trade lunches. <laughs> when, Come on, Joe. When he sees Come on, the try cake. my lunch. When he sees the cake. He's yeah. definitely going to trade. Um, but so then they have this little vote of like, hey, everybody's here. Where are we going? What do you say to Willow Grove? All those in favor say aye, demanded Chet. And there was a chorus of aye from the crowd. Mm. It's unanimous. Chet decided Willow Grove it shall be. Let's go. So they weren't tipped off to Willow Grove by Fenton Hardy, who hid the car there and like <laughs> was baiting his children. Yeah. <laughs> They're just going genuinely for a day in the park. Um, the other little thing we get is that they choose Willow Park. Um, but, but, but it was somewhat early in the season, and it was hardly likely that other parties from the city would be in the Grove that day. So they chose Willow Grove because it's going to be not crowded. Yeah. But the other thing we get here is that it's early in the season, and therefore cake probably would have been fine. It's not. It's not the heat of summer. And now that I think about You're it, not wrong. That's a perfect time swim. for cake. They didn't swim in the first book because the water was still too cold. So I guess we sort of knew, oh, that's and maybe right. they did say the season. Yeah. So this picnic lunch is fine. Yeah. We're in, I can get down with spring, this. I yeah. suppose. Um, but yeah, so they... Springtime, cake time. Poor Chet, they're still uh, ribbing him for being a fat man. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then they just go, and uh, Chet... Here we get... After we had a whole chapter about Lem Billers, um, we get two paragraphs of just... Chet telling the boys that weren't there because the Hardy Boys were oh, there he's for the retelling the story. He's retelling the story, and we're just getting all the stuff like the kids are loving it. Yeah, kids are <laughs> loving the Lem Biller story. Obviously, they're all like, "God, he's so lazy." Yeah, laziest man in nine counties. And then we get this. Uh, Chet uh, told them how he had later jumped down from the wagon and run along behind, shouting to Lem Billers to give him a ride. So he had taken a ride and then jumped off and shouted for a ride. Uh, and he, he says, it's a shame, he confessed. I'm sorry, I'm not doing voices at all. That's lazy of me. That is I'm lazy. Sorry. You're Lem Biller in this. Chet. <laughs> Anyone else in these nine counties <laughs> would do a voice. Uh, so Chet confesses, it was a shame, he confessed. The poor old chap reined in his horses and made me come up and sit in the seat beside him. He asked me if I had walked very far and then told me about his argument with the policeman and the chauffeur. I could hardly keep my face straight. Okay, this sounds that like this a, is about that to lead was a into young the Rodney threat. Dangerfield, I think. <laughs> yeah, that that doing was. that voice. I have a feeling this is the threat, right? This, yeah. Lem Bellers is about to take him back to his cottage and make him try on baggy skeleton bones. You know, there's still a chance. <laughs> we were talking about that last. There's still a chance that we could have 
the costume shop thing as they investigate wigs. Yeah. That scene happened before the tower robbery. Which it in could the be first reordered book. and so yeah, yeah. It, they they could as they investigate wigs and and wigmen we could find ourselves in in the costume <laughs> shop yet, but currently it it appears as though in 1959 they were like you know what we need we we need a good illegal wig shop scene we need to leave these boys alone and maybe the author was like it's okay for them to be alone because the 17 and 18 now. The men. Yeah, they're older. The men. They're smarter, the wiser. They've got more body hair. <laughs> Give them something to talk about us. They make eye contact later. Is that a little chest hair I see popping out of those baggy bones? <laughs> oh, God. So they, they reached the lane that led toward Willow Grove, and then they... Uh, Oh, the other thing they keep doing is they're wrestling a ton. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> There's all these things, but they, they make this point. The the you narrator don't wrestle after cake. The narrator always like here. <laughs> take take this chap uh, this this paragraph here that starts with the day passed. Um, that that third paragraph on the page. The day passed in the usual fashion of such days. They swam. They ate. They loafed about under the trees. They played games. At imminent risk of life and limb, they explored the woods and otherwise enjoyed themselves with all the happy energy of healthy lads. Oh, they're Irish. Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on. Before you get to this next part, uh, there's a part on the page before as they were hanging out and waiting uh, for Chet. Um, The group trudged along the dusty highway, chattering and telling jokes, whistling. Once in a while, they would explore along the fences for berry bushes. And occasionally, a friendly scuffle would start to end with (laughs) both laughing contestants covered with dust. So there's a lot of. I'm just gonna beat the crap out of you real quick, and then we're just gonna (laughs) laugh about it. Yeah. (laughs) It's back. It's It's back. back. The manical laughter of these unnamed children. Um, But what you what you're about to get to, uh, go ahead and resume there, Um, because this I think clues us into some new things. Joe Hardy. Oh, my God. Yeah, right? <laughs> Who was a amateur naturalist in his way, went roaming off by himself during the afternoon while the other boys were enjoying their third swim of the day. Not one, not two, but three swims. Oh, my God. And penetrated deeper into the woods. So Joe, Joe is out here by himself penetrating the woods. <laughs> we, we've got a few differences here. First, there was no swimming because it was too cold in the first place. Yeah. These kids are tough. Yeah, well, I mean, they're 15 and 16. They're and not they as smart. they just got yeah. done wrestling in the dust. <laughs> yeah. They could use a bath in the lake. Uh, but amateur naturalist <laughs> is quite a type. And did he fancy I, himself? Is that what it said? I hope it's Joe Hardy, no, who, just, who was an amateur naturalist. Yeah. And well, this, I like to fancy myself an amateur naturalist. This is just the most non-committal <laughs> sentence. Joe Hardy who is an amateur naturalist in his way. <laughs> so not even an amateur naturalist, but his just own in his take. own way. Yeah. And not even a naturalist in his own way, <laughs> but an amateur one. Like, they're giving Joe no credit here for anything. He's just a wannabe, sort of, kind of half-assing it naturalist. Oh, but no. this this takes him into the woods. Um, and so It's okay. Hey, Joe, you going off by yourself? It's all right. It's fine. I'm, I'm an, an amateur, amateur naturalist <laughs> in my way. <laughs> it's, like, he's 15 yeah. in 1929. Like, and again, I don't know what, what 1929 is like. I assume they don't have paper or thing. Like, I don't know well, what no. he's taking. I don't think trees were around again, yet. Yeah, it's just <laughs> writing with chalk on a shovel, <laughs> doing cave paintings of leaves. Oh, they just say cake paintings. Um, spread he, the icing. He poked about in the undergrowth, examining various flowers and plants that came to his attention. Wait, so he's penetrating the undergrowth? He's poking the undergrowth. Oh, my God. Uh, Examining various flowers and plants that came to his attention, but discovered no specimens that he had not seen before. <laughs> what if he did? Is he going to try eating it or something? They, they were in the berry bushes. Yeah. And I guess this is before pesticides. You yeah. could eat anything. I mean, yeah. And I mean, back then... Mushrooms, all of them are fine. Yeah, you didn't have restaurants. Like, you just did eat a tree branch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
when when Mrs. Hardy packed him a lunch, it was a twig sandwich <laughs> with grass clippings. Sounds like Fenton's a hunter and his sons are the gatherers. Go out, find some branches and a few yeah, berries. A delicious orange peel sandwich. <laughs> Yeah, with dirt cake for dinner. <laughs> well, did you guys roll around in the dirt to give it its flavor? <laughs> of course, Dad. Put it in our pockets. We rolled around a lot. We wrestled. Put it in the pockets with the legal documents. <laughs> well, good. I want berry juice all over them. You know how much berries stain your fingers? Yeah, and this is before they had laundry. <laughs> yeah. This is you wore the same shirt for a month until it fell apart, and then you picked a new one. And your one. shirt's just complete animal skin. Yeah. <laughs> Shirt is just a cowhide. Yeah, you got you have Joe, who's the naturalist. I mean, he's got his cowhide, but you got Frank over there. He can never catch a chicken or a cow or anything. So this is made out of bark. Well, those trees can't get away from old Joe. He's such a bad hunter. He can only hunt trees. Just dragging a branch into camp. He's putting it in the gymnasium, which has no he's weights or workout equipment. Too, like you do with the deer, and he's just skinning his tree, posing with a picture. <laughs> you got, check out how many branches this has. His brother, how many got, offshoots? He's got the deer antlers hung on the wall, yeah. and he has a twig just sticking yeah. out, mounted. Got it myself. He's got at least seven leaves. <laughs> a seven pointer. <laughs> oh God. Uh, interestingly, we have a similar. So, so next up. Uh, he finds some tire tracks. There's a low-lying part of the grove. It was wet. Tire tracks, eh? <laughs> there must have been an automobile here, he muttered to himself. Which, yeah, worth saying aloud. Yeah. <laughs> really good question. A good observation to see tire tracks and then deduce from that, wait a second, if there were tire tracks, then there <laughs> must be... Um, but an automobile. Notably different here is that in the first one, they found the tire that they oh, thought yeah. because, like, the spare tire was stolen at that whole exchange during the uh, the Welsh rabbit dinner. Oh, yeah. Um, Great scene. Where they found that the spare tire I've was stolen. I've been threatened. And then they fire, find the spare tire. This is – there's no spare tire. That storyline never happened. So this is just a tire track. And oh. spoiler alert, this leads them to the car, which they find. But instead of – like, before it was, like, spare tire leads them to the car. Yeah. This is just tire track. Um, but see if you can spot this difference. Um, yeah, just just go ahead. Start start with the tire tracks and take us three paragraphs down. Tire tracks, eh? There's been an automobile in here, he muttered to himself. I wonder how on earth a car could get this far into the woods. Someone could drive it. <laughs> then he remembered his father's remarks on the, on the value of developing his powers of observation. Look, it comes back. Yeah. So he went over closer and examined the marks in the mud. That's a strange tread, he thought. I've never seen a tire mark quite like that before, and I am an amateur tire, <laughs> tire tread examiner. He gazed Wait, is that really in there? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But before you go on, I see where this is going, though. In the first book, he like recognized that tread and then gazed at it until he was sure yeah. that it was Chet's tread. I know this tread. Here, it's the opposite, where he's yep. still staring at it, but it's only because that's a weird tire yeah, tread. I've never seen tread like this. I've seen tread a few times in the mud. As as a an usually, amateur treadman. Yeah, as an amateur treadman. Way. I know that tread usually has four hoof imprints and uh, <laughs> <laughs> usually two skinny tracks with hoof prints in the middle because it's 1929. <laughs> you know, I guess, though. They put tires on horses. That's what they did back in the days, right? Yeah. Yeah. The horseshoes <laughs> weren't invented. He stole my Mustang. And, <laughs> the, uh, the whole thing that, that I just realized with 1929, like we were giving them crap about like – shoe like they were hung up on shoe prints yeah um and we were like you know there's got to be millions of shoes but in 1929 there were four cars so it could be like interesting like yeah there's not like cars aren't common i suppose so a tread could be very much like a snowflake where it's 
entirely unique unique and to its own yeah you're not wrong here i'd imagine like i haven't done the research but you put out four and that's a good number uh i would say yeah there and might be four, four styles just four, four cars uh, cars yeah. <laughs> and at this time tires were all bespoke handmade artisanal <laughs> tires there was no factory that made them it was just like you cut down these are custom made uh, yeah it's and just like any great yeah. custom made piece you sign your name into it yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and these tires were just like a cow leg. <laughs> they cut off, and then you just rolled the car. Like this predates the Flintstones mobile. Like that was an improvement on technology. Well, I mean, the, the Flintstones was in what, like 1950? <laughs> I've seen that cartoon. Actually, yes, that was a color cartoon. This is before yeah. color. This, this is, is before color. Yeah. when the world was black and white. <laughs> I'm happy though that he still gazed. Yeah, they 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 left still, Joe that yeah. part. Joe's like, still a tire gazeman. He just completely gazed at that tread. Mm-hmm. But it makes more sense now. It's like I'm gazing because I don't know what I'm looking at. Yeah, not I'm gazing because I'm pretty sure I have recognized this tire <laughs> tread before and filed it away somewhere in my head. And, and I'm having a stroke, and no one else knows. <laughs> <laughs> He's off in the woods by himself. This book could have ended with <laughs> Joe strokes out, passes out face down in the mud. Well, I mean, at least we understand now why he was alone. Like, in the new one, we don't know that he is an amateur naturalist. So the, the yeah. fact that before he just wanders off, we're like, what are you doing, Joe? Yeah. It, well, in the first one, everyone fell asleep. They, they all took a nap after their <laughs> exhausting 90 I mean, yeah. minutes of And they didn't even wrestle. Detective all they yeah. did was drive around. Yeah, they split up into pie-shaped quadrants and, <laughs> and went around. They're like, hey, we can't bring the cake into this, but what if we say they go into pie shapes? Well, yeah, that kind of counts as dessert. Well, let's see here. So he gazed at it until he was sure that if he ever saw a similar auto tread again, he would recognize it. And then, oh. that just goes to prove that Dad was right, said Joe. Probably I've seen auto tra- tires like this often, but I've never noticed the markings. And now that I do notice one in particular, it seems strange to me. But I wonder what an automobile was doing in here and how it came to get here in the first <gasps> place. Mary! I like he's going slowly into Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. What well, is that, Mary? So after this like intense moment of like... Dad told me to be observant. Like, yeah. Observant, like, look at all this stuff and like, really give it thought. <laughs> then the next sentence is, however, he gave the matter little further thought <laughs> and retraced his steps through the woods until he returned to the other boys. With it. <laughs> oh, no. Read that. Just oh, finish that no. top paragraph. He retraced his steps through the woods until he returned to the other boys who were getting dressed <laughs> after their swim. Well, why not make it a lucky number four? <laughs> what you boys do today? Well, I stared at a tire track and boy swam four times. <laughs> I, I like that they're tougher. I, yeah. I like that they're swimming in the cold water, even though no one else is there. Um, but. <laughs> The, yeah, so the so now polar the, bear club. Oh yeah, the polar plunge. Yeah, and this is in northern New York, and in the 1920s, this was still the ice age. Oh the, yeah, they chipped a hole in yeah, the ice to go swimming. This is thing. all. This is all. They they fought a dinosaur out of the way. <laughs> we don't know a lot about the 20s. This then. was before uh, fire was invented too. So like to actually <laughs> chip a hole in that ice took some time. And they the just boys said, were "Hey, hey, Chet, why don't you go you stand on, on the, the ice?" <laughs> Chunky, <laughs> chunky Chet. So, uh, so here they come back, and Joe's like, "Hey, I was just in the woods, and I saw this tire track." And the boys are all like, "You can't get a car in the woods." There's, he's like, <laughs> "He's like, no, no, no. There's there's a road back there, and I saw these peculiar tire treads." And he draws the tire treads in the dirt. Oh, uh, let's see. It's a mighty peculiar tread too, like this. And Joe commenced to draw a replica of the design in the sand using a thin stick of wood as a pencil. Obviously, it's oh, yeah. 1929. Yeah, lead didn't exist. Yeah, Grab all pencils were just thin sticks of wood. <laughs> yeah. Chet Morton stared. Why? He exclaimed. There's only one car in the city that has tires like that. Whose car? Mine! Mine! Exclaimed nice. Chet, springing to his feet. Where is this road you found? So... They they go into the woods now, but this is a big difference because before it was Joe all on his own. And, and this is what I think is interesting about the book. The new book like sort of paints them as experts already. They're chipping paint flecks. They're yeah. recognizing tire treads. They're recalling things. They're hanging out with old men in costume <laughs> shops. 
Like they're, they're doing independent things and here they're still really developing. And so I like that Joe just sort of looked at a tire tread and it was Chet who was like, oh yeah, that's my tire tread. Yeah. It wasn't Joe all on his own being like, hey, Chet Morton's tire tread. I recognize it from a tire. I haven't seen recently because it's been stolen, but this <laughs> yeah. has been locked away in my memory for a while now. Um, so yeah, it makes it more realistic. I like that. Yeah, yeah. it makes it more fifteen and sixteen year yeah. old, and even seventeen and eighteen, year, and even fifty year old. I don't know anyone who'd be like, "Hey, I don't know what my tire tread looks like." Do you know what your tire tread? No, looks but like? luckily, uh, Chet is like the Buffalo Bill of tire tread, to where like every day he just gets home, he skins some tires, he puts the tread <laughs> on the ground, it's like it rubs the tread in the dirt, <laughs> <laughs> and then he, and then after that, he then gives that tread. To Frank to wear as a coat. <laughs> yeah. Try it on, Frank. <laughs> How does it fit? You look great. Yeah. Does it feel better than the bark? I like the <laughs> inconsistency of our voices, too. Oh, yeah. It's classic. It's a, we're giving... We're letting people know what we can work with. Yeah. And, and if you're listening and you notice one person, like, that's Chet. That's what Chet sounds like. Let us know. Yeah. Let us know. Go on to hardyandsonspodcast.com. the voice and, uh, and send it over to us. Yeah. That's how that works. <laughs> um... But yeah, let us know. Fill out that little form, uh, and then we can uh, stick to that voice for you. We yeah. want to. We want to please the fans. We're just throwing everything out right now. Uh, but so they're 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 diving into the woods. They're looking. They see the tire tracks. They're all looking. Um, and then for a while, the search continued without success. Um, which, by the way, they still haven't named any of the other boys. All oh, we have man. is Joe, Frank, and Chet. Yeah. And no backstory about how Biff took the. His distant cousin's name, uh, Alan Hooper, called oh, himself Hoop, Biff. Dude, that's right. I None of that. Like they just Alan added Hooper. all of that for some reason in the new book, um, and we just keep getting like names. all Alan the Hooper. boys. Uh, the boys quickly scattered. The boys some are taking, back. some taking one side of the road, the rest taking the other. Um, and then Frank and Chet, who were following the abandoned road further down, gave a simultaneous cry. Here's a bypass. <laughs> Which I think is a strange thing that two people would yell simultaneously. <laughs> Here's a bypath. <laughs> I don't know what a bypath is. A secondary path. Is it just another road? I would guess. And if you're in the woods on a dirt road, what's the difference? Like, why would you say? Here's a bypath instead of here's another, here's another bypath path. or here's yeah. another road. Here's more tracks just strange i don't know what a bypass is maybe it's shaped in a moving hand like it's waving ah and it's like oh bypass bypass (laughs) good to see you again path bye (laughs) but so uh it leads to this uh narrow roadway widened out further into a heavy clump of trees until it came to a wide clearing and there in the clearing stood ched morton's lost roadster my car yelled chet in delight um so then they all pile in, um, and they, they make a note in here in a few places of, like, the car had sat for a week and still started, still ran perfectly. The engine was good. Yeah. And I, I think that illustrates the 1920s <laughs> as well, of like, cars were entirely unreliable. Because yeah. if you didn't feed them, like, if a car hadn't eaten hay <laughs> in a week, there was a chance that it would have starved and not worked. Um I yeah, assume that the gas tank in it. Yeah. The gas tank was like an oxen's bladder <laughs> filled with petroleum. So yeah, give it a week, it's just gonna leak all the petroleum. The only out. way it runs too is if all the boys go Yeah, and yeah. You turn have the to big make the crank on the front of the car to wind yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah, technology was different. Um, she hasn't been damaged a bit. All ready to run. The thief just hid the old bus here and made a getaway. Come on, fellas. We don't walk back home today. We ride. Oh, that's a line. And I think that's where they got it from uh, uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah, oh the, the, the let's ride after he pauses and let's listens ride. there. Let's Dude, ride. Memphis is just a huge fan of the original Hardy Boys. Memphis Reigns and Chet Morton, I think, are spirit animals. <laughs> They're... I think Memphis Reigns Patronus is, Which, is Chet Morton. We need to go back and see if Memphis, one, ever waddles, two, ever eats cake. Three ever pants. Ever pants. He's a pant man. He's, I mean, he's a pantsman. Yeah, he's definitely a pantsman. <laughs> um, and then, interestingly, to be, because yeah, we're exact. putting all the kids in the car. Yeah, I was going to say, aren't there six? Uh, yeah. So How we, so we get this, this little... Um, 
It's okay, Joe. Sit on my lap. Go ahead and, uh, yeah, here, starting there. With clamored? He clamored, yeah. He clamored into the car. And in a few seconds, the engine roared. There was sufficient room in the clearing to permit him to turn the roadster about. And when he swung the car around and headed up the bypath, the boys gave a cheer and asked to clamber on board. Yay! Lurching and swaying, the roadster reached the abandoned road, and from there, it was an easy run to the main highway. There was a part. Did we miss? Did I miss? Was it in that section? No. I I, I just think there's a great little part. uh, Maybe it's here on the next page. It's got to be. That just outlines. Yeah, here we go. Start, Start with Joe there. Start with Joey. Joe was given the seat of honor besides the driver. I didn't know that was the seat of honor. Seat of honor. I like that. That's, that's important. Besides the driver, because he had discovered the tire marks that had led to the recovery of the car, and the other boys distributed themselves as best as they could. <laughs> yeah, well, here we go. They clung to the running boards. What, a, what is a running board? I think the running board is like uh, – like, I don't know. I was thinking it's what you stand on, like on the side. Like it's on like little on side a truck. skirts? Yeah, like a, like a little step onto it. Okay. But, but I don't know. So they clung to the running boards, hung precariously to the back, and one lad even straddled the hood. Oh, my God. Imagine seeing these boys riding into town. This is a frightening thought. Yeah, but it's the 20s, and and you can – like there's not seatbelts, I assume, and riding on the hood of the car is as safe as riding inside it. Yeah. I mean, you're going to die if anything happens, no matter what. You're not wrong there. And yeah. you may stand a better chance of living on the hood where you'll be thrown into berry bushes on the side <laughs> of the road instead of being crushed inside this tin can. It's not a bad – maybe that's why they have berries in their pockets and everything. It is just padding. Yeah, the cookies that Chet carries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the airbags of the Chet, 1920s. Why are you so fat? Well, I'm just trying to put on masks in case we ever get into a car accident. And I just with how much he dri- Yeah, with how much he drives this car, Yeah, it makes sense that he's going to pad on some – they don't have seatbelts. They don't have padding. He's I, just doing human padding. Yeah. That's all a, it is. It's a smart fat move. padding. Um. So, yeah, you had said, imagine this scene as this car comes racing through town. Yeah. And we we really hung in, in the first book, or in, in the new book, on how, like, they rode into town and were shocked that no one was cheering yeah. for them. Like, there was this... There was this disbelief they had that they weren't celebrated yeah. for riding into yes, town. Yes, yes, yes. Cars, yeah. cars, 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 cars. Now it makes sense. Bypaths, bypaths. <laughs> um... But in spite of it now making more sense, this is the next paragraph. But as the cheering lads came down the main street, they noticed that there was an unwanted air of excitement in the town. People were standing on street corners in little groups, talking earnestly. And when the boys spied Detective Smuff of the police force striding along with a portentous frown, they called out to him. What's on your mind today, Detective? (laughs) Chet got his car back. I've got something more important than stolen cars to worry about, declared Detective Smuff. The Tower Mansion has been robbed. (laughs) Few things here. One, the boys aren't being incredulous that they're not celebrated. And I like that. I do too. They're more approachable. This is more natural. Yeah, Yeah, they're not. I can't believe people aren't (laughs) excited that someone is straddling the hood of this car as we come <laughs> roaring down the street. Even though it is an amazing sight. This kid is for sure going to die, <laughs> and no one seems to care. Yeah, there's none of that. Um, but then also we get, here's the second run-in with Detective Smuff, where they're not torturing him. Yeah. They're not being rude to him. They are yeah. respecting him. They ask him, what's, what's the matter? Or, or rather, they tell him, we found the car. Yeah. And Detective Smuff says, you know, I, I'm worried about different things right now. The Tower Mansion has been robbed. Mm. Mm. So and a lot a of people wildly... are really worried about this. The fact that the whole town is upset kind of is weird to me. Yeah. Well, as we're about to see. So it's like, are the Apple Gates like giving money to fund the town? Are they like paying bills or like, hey, we just put up a park for you guys? Well, they don't put like, up the park until the care? end of the first Exactly. Um, but we, we get a little bit more... Detail oh, right, about, about the, the Tower Gates. Mansion and the Applegates here in Chapter 7, 
titled appropriately the mansion robbery. Yeah. And I say appropriately because this isn't a robbery. This is that afterwards <laughs> someone talking about it thing that is Classic all of these chapters. Boys. Like the hold up was not a hold up. Yeah. It was someone talking about a hold up. Yeah. Um, I'm happy that this continues. Yeah. So it, we, we get this little piece here. The Tower Mansion was one of the show places of Bayport. Few people in the city had ever been permitted to enter the place. And the admiration that the palatial building excited was solely by reason of its exterior appearance. But the first thing a newcomer to Bayport usually asked was, who owns that magnificent house on the hill? What a question. It was an immense, rambling stone structure situated on top of a hill overlooking the bay, and it could be seen for miles, silhouetted against the skyline like some ancient feudal castle. This resemblance to a castle was heightened by the fact that at each end of the mansion rose a high tower. One of these towers had been built when the mansion was first erected by Major Applegate, an eccentric old army man who had made millions by lucky real estate deals and had laid the foundation for the Applegate fortune. Mm. Right there, we weren't told before how Applegate had made his his fortune. No. Um, And what we're about to get is, I think, a very important detail. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask you a personal question. I love personal questions. How old is your father? Oh. What year is it? 2019? It is 2019. You can do the math. 64. Okay. My my father is also 64, I think. Oh, yeah, look at that. I think that's right. If I I may have aged him a year. But yeah. he, he's in his his early 60s, early to mid yeah. 60s. Um tell me about your dad. What's, oh, what's your man. dad's name? Dave Dave. Strong name. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. Pass it on. Dave Jr. Are you Dave Jr.? Dave the uh, third? Where are you? I have a different middle name, but uh, according to my dentist, I'm Davey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the de facto standard. Yeah. <laughs> I almost asked, like, well, what is your dentist? Where does he classify you? Yeah. Um, so that's junior. It's, by it's the, a legit by the dental standard, the American yeah. Dental Society. <laughs> uh, t- tell me about your dad. Uh, what does he, he do? He's not what? an eccentric millionaire. Uh, is, is he retired? Uh, yes, retired. Okay. Uh, he does a lot of babysitting. My brother had his first child, so that's mainly his job. And then on the weekends, he hunts. Okay. So so he handles weaponry. He handles weaponry. Sounds like yeah. he seems to be. Does is he able bodied? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, a little too much so. Okay, carrying kids around. Yeah. Hunting, cutting down trees by himself, even though he's in his sixties, and it makes me irritated that it's if you're going to go down, cut down a tree by yourself, a big tree too. Bring someone with you, you crazy, crazy old man. Yeah. Yeah. My father uh, is in his, his mid-60s. He water skis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he hikes a lot. Yeah. Um, he, he just retired as well this year. Um, oh, hell yeah. And he's got a big pickup truck, and he's moving stuff around. He's also babysitting all the time. My older brother yep. has two kids. Um, just a, an active, active guy. They go hiking mm-hmm. all the time, mid-60s. And no part of me is surprised by that. Are are you are you shocked at your father's activity? No, just worrisome about it. Okay. There's some dangerous things involved in there. But just danger in general, not danger because of who he is or anything. He's just felling trees yeah. alone. Yeah. Okay. That's a bad idea. Um well the reason I bring this up, uh let's see here. Uh the only people that live uh, but as the years passed, the Applegate family became scattered until at last there remained but Herd Applegate and his sister Adelia, who continued living in the vast and lonely old mansion. Herd Applegate was a man of about 60 years of age. All right. And he's just always painted as this hunchback, <laughs> yeah. like old curmudgeon clutching stamps. And yeah, we so get we're into his stamp 85. collection in here. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's this old guy. I'm like 85 or 90. Yeah. And I'm at a 60. Exactly. And that to me is like the 1920s of like, he's 60, he's about to die. Like <laughs> yeah, he's on borrowed time as it is. It's like, he's <laughs> not doing well. Like 60, you better have your affairs in order. I can't believe you're he's going made out. it to 60. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. For an army man, too, he probably has gangrene. Oh, well, I mean, there's no doubt. Of, like yeah. you were issued gangrene yeah. when you enlisted, <laughs> as I understand it. Do you it. have gangrene? No. You do now. <laughs> In the 1920s, this was just before the rise of Nazi Germany. Yes. And I have to think with his lucky real estate deals, like Inside Man, the, the Spike Jones 
Spike, or Spike, excuse me, Spike, Spike Lee, Lee joint. Spike yeah. Lee joint. Um, I was thinking Spike joint instead of Spike <laughs> Jones. The Spike Lee joint, um, where it turns out that Christopher Plummer's character had made all of his money by making deals with the Nazis. Yep. Um, I got to imagine that as, <laughs> if we were to see the epilogue to this book, Hurt Applegate makes some deals with Nazis. Like, that's absolutely fine. And he's going to turn that fortune into... Okay. Way more fortune. Yeah. I'm not reaching too far. I'm starting here. to think a little bit more about those stamps now, where yeah. those letters were going. Well, actually, may I, here, I want you to oh, take it. Oh, God. Go ahead. Just just give us this paragraph about, about Herd. The big paragraph. Well, you, just as much as you want. I don't want to. Uh, Herd Applegate was a man of about 60 years of age. He was a tall, stooped man, eccentric in his ways, just like his dad, Major. And his life seemed to be devoted to the collection of rare stamps. Yes. Yes. We, we know this. He was an authority on the subject. Hey, hey, I'm the final say on stamps. And I like, though, that the narrator gives them that. Like, yeah. They sort of just paint him as a little crazy clutching a fistful <laughs> yeah. of stamps. Don't but to have, be like, he's he a collector. He's a connoisseur. He's, yeah. a, he's a guru. Of these oh, aficionados. Like, what else did you collect in the 20s? Movies weren't a thing. Music wasn't a thing. I mean, it's either wood or stamps. And if you think At least about stamps it, stamps is art. Stamps is also how you communicate back yeah. then. Like, there is no other means of communication uh, unless you have a long enough string to connect two cans. And, <laughs> but, like, as I thought about it, we have our cell phones and Instagram yep. that we can communicate with. Yep. And, like, you can look and be like, oh, he's always on his phone. Oh, she's always on her phone. But, He's always got stamps. That's basically... He's always on his phone. Stamps are the Instagram <laughs> of the 1920s. That's right, what they actually. had. Bringing this back to the 20s makes more sense. In the 50s or so, I mean, stamps were still a thing, but at this point, you had telephones. Yeah. You, you still had to pick up the phone and say, connect me with, like, yeah. hello, operator, 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 police station. Yeah. Like, that's that's normal But at stamps this are time. fading out. Yeah. They're going away. So it's good that he's, you know, an authority on the subject. That They give him that ownership, which I appreciate. What, what a class act. Yeah, he had collected stamps, and he had built a new tower in the mansion. The new tower, a duplicate of the original tower at the opposite end of the great buildings, had been built, but a few years. Yeah, I read that yeah. sentence a couple times. What the hell? I think that's... Had been built, but a few years, even well within the memory of the two Hardy Boys. What does that mean? I think they're just meaning like it had only been built... F like, they took out the word for. Like, it had been built for a few years. Oh, okay. They're just saying like it had been built a few years. Oh. They well, also I'm... hyphenate today every time they write it. Oh yeah, like, how are I you today? You showing me that in the uh, yeah first couple of chapters. Similar to the cookie uh, <laughs> that they eat later on. Oh, and also earlier there was <laughs> cookie's uh, my favorite thing in the world. When they announced like when they announced the uh, the robbery, um, it said uh, they they noticed that there was an unwanted air of excitement in the town. That's unwanted. With an O. U N W O N T E D. Unwanted. <laughs> which I I assume means unwanted. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't <laughs> want your life. <laughs> Wait, do you want it or won't it? Oh, I, I want, want it, it so bad. <laughs> I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't. Do you or do you not? I won't. Um, and then we get this. So g give me a little bit of Adelia Applegate. Give me the voice. Paint her for me mm. a little bit. Mm. Well, she's lame. I imagine. It's no, that's Mrs. Robinson. Oh, you're right. Adelia's not lame. Adelia's the eccentric, old, colorful. Yes, dress. yes. Uh, she's she's very much up here. She's she's very much. She's British, right? Adelia Applegate, who lived in the Tower Mansion with her brother, was a maiden lady of uncertain years. We got that Classic. before. That's the yeah. same. Yeah. But then we add the records in Bayport City Hall. Give her age as fifty-five, mm -hmm. but Mrs. But Miss Applegate admitted it to no one. Yeah, uh, she was. But I won't tell you. She was as eccentric as her brother. Lived very much uh, to herself, being seldom seen in the city. Um, I'm going to stop here because I like the next sentence. Um, but here we are, fifty-five. Yeah, that's that's a very young age. Yeah, I am almost and, fifty-five. Right, <laughs> like I am too. <laughs> And we're painted this picture of like, oh, this crotchety old couple, uh, fifty five and sixty. Yeah, people are still working. Like that's that fifty five is not old at all. No, and yet that's younger than Meryl Streep. Yeah, and <laughs> I don't know why she's the standard, but that's younger than Larry King. <laughs> A lot younger than Larry King, and he's doing great. <laughs>
and here we are with with this geriatric fifty five year old. We're like, I feel like I know people who are having kids at fifty five. Like this is you're not wrong there. Fifty five is the new ninety <laughs> in in the nineteen twenties. Um, but uh, she was at one time a blonde, but she had endeavored to retain her youth by dyeing her hair. With the result that it was now a sort of dusty black. Ooh. And then we get a tiny little nod here. Chet Morton was fond of saying that Miss Applegate used to be a blonde, but she died. D-Y-E-D. Chet's a funny man. Yeah, that's... Chet's the jokester. I'll take it. In between cookies. (laughs) He's making jokes. I'll take it, Chet. Um, But yeah, she dressed in all colors of the I like this Chet more. Yeah. The other one, it's just like, you feel bad for Chet because he's fat. And this one, it's like, I actually enjoy him being around. He's fat, but he's funny. funny. Yeah, he's the classic example of the fat friend. Fat and funny. When uh, Winston Churchill was World War II, right? Yeah. Okay, so he wouldn't be making his funny fat quirps, uh, you know, quips and, and quirks to... <laughs> In the twenties, like this is, I'm trying to think of like who was like the celebrity of the 1920s. Charlie Chaplin, but he was a thin man. Charlie oh, Chaplin as a fat man. I was trying to think like was there like an iconic like, ooh, I mean this was the time when a name like yeah. Fats Domino was okay. Yeah, that's a sweet name too. Yeah, but yeah. but he was a, a musician, right? Yeah, he's a jazzman. Yeah, he was a jazzman. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm just trying to put myself here of like, who are they modeling Chet Morton yeah, after? That's a good he seems like Chris Farley. He seems like a Chris Farley type. Oh, but Chris yeah. Farley wasn't in the 20s. Who was? That's a good question. I yep. don't know any fat men I think from the we 20s. Should, like I think we movies. should have somebody on the podcast who knows about the 20s. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a good idea. Yeah, because yeah. I, I would like to understand what the 20s were like and then what the 50s were like when they were rewritten and how much different they were. Um, but like Ooh, for me to imagine like how many cars are around and like what is a city block like? Yeah. Like I have no frame of reference for like what these kids are looking at. And as they, they walk to a park, I imagine that most of the world was a park at this point. Like you probably didn't need to go yeah, to I a park. Have that thought, yeah. Because there just weren't structures at this point. Yeah, you have way less people. Yeah. Way less cars. Way less cars, yeah. Way yeah. less pollution. You got Lem Billers. Laziest man in nine counties, yeah. <laughs> If you don't catch the the hayride with Lem Billers, like you ain't getting to work today. <laughs> and uh, if your car gets stolen, just stare at the tread. You'll just find stare it. at the tread. Yeah, I am curious how many different tires were made, how many actual car brands were in stock at that time. Yeah. So the the rest of this chapter is pretty similar, where it's it's the same details. Um, I think the only difference is they hear that the they, they're asking around about the mansion. Uh, the the robbery and people are saying like it's anywhere from a hundred to a hundred thousand to a million dollars. Which I did the math and a hundred thousand uh is one point four million dollars today. Woo! Thus making a million dollars fourteen million dollars. Whoa. So they give us that, but then when we go back to the Hardy household and we find Hurt Applegate leaving after talking to Fenton, the boys mm-hmm. talk to Fenton, and he says it's forty thousand. And the boys are like forty thousand. We heard it was like a million, and Fenton, which I which I love, Fenton's like people always exaggerate things. Classic, and like that's one of those good lessons. Yeah, like just how the, they teach us to shower in the new books, and the boys are always bathing. Um, this is one of those things of like, hey, people are going to exaggerate. Just make sure you get the facts. Yeah, it's fine. That's that's a, a very relevant that's good lesson today. Advice. Yeah. yeah, and not even for detectives for anybody. Just life advice. Yeah, yeah. follow up, check a reference. It's not that <laughs> big of a deal. Which is a perfect thing to actually tell modern day writers and things like that because you can publish anything you want now. Yeah, thank you. Wikipedia. This is uh, you could put a stamp on anything and publish it. Yeah. in these days. This is before the internet. This is before Al Gore. Like, this is before we had any of these things. <laughs> well, nothing was before Al Gore. Obviously. Yeah. Sorry. It's all right. Um, but then it's pretty consistent here, the rest of this chapter, where uh, same sort of things like, I know it could only be one per. I already know who did it. I just can't prove it. It was Henry Robinson, the caretaker. He paid off a debt uh, of $900. Um, and I knew he didn't have money even so a few days ago. So that whole thing ago. is still in here? So that whole thing is still in here. Uh, and then this chapter... Uh, what about the uh, uh, 
him admitting that Robinson like finding the actual combination and then it blew away on a piece um, of paper. So that may be in the next chapter. Okay. So this chapter ends with them going back. They're all going back to the mansion and they're just about to uh, talk to uh, Mr. Robinson. And Mr. Robinson, the, the last line of this is like, don't worry about it, son. It'll be all right. And with that, he entered the library. Slim Robinson turned to his two chums. My dad is innocent, he cried. End of chapter. So, like, he hasn't yet had a chance to explain anything uh, okay. at the point where I stopped. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, other, other than that, the, the details of the mystery at this point are the same. We have a, we have a different perspective on the geriatric 55-year-old <laughs> Adelia um and and mr applegate but uh yeah other than that we get this thing which i think is more relevant in the 20s where fenton's looking around and he says a smooth job the fellow must have worn gloves not a fingerprint in the room Mm. which of course you wear gloves yeah if you're like i don't think it's like that smooth of a job like oh this guy was really good (laughs) he put on gloves like if that's the mark of a smooth job did he wear shoes of course he's smooth like and it's spring, it's early season, it's cold. Yeah, you might be accidentally be wearing, wearing gloves. gloves anyway. Yeah. yeah, like oh, smooth job. This guy had a scarf on. Yeah, did his tires leave tread? No, he did a real smooth job. <laughs> it was a he smooth put cloth animal over skin. Him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there wasn't cloth at this point. No, you're think. right. It was. It was deer when hide. Was, when was the cotton gin invented? Seventy one, nineteen seventy one. Seventy one. Yeah. Seventy one, seventy two, somewhere in there. But yeah, so so the next chapter is titled The Arrest. And I've, I believe this Similar is going to go the same way, and we're going to start to see things sort of sewn together uh, between this version and the new version. But yeah, I'm just struck by how dissimilar the whole setup is. Because like, now, we're, again, we're like stitching these things mm-hmm. together. They're, there's, they're, they're becoming similar. But leading up to this point was wildly different. Yeah. Than in the first one. And I feel like in the first or in, I keep saying the first one. The first one we read, which is not the first one. This oh, yeah. is the first one. New one, racist one. Yeah. Yeah. In the in the new one, um, which as we're finding out might actually be the, the more racist, racist one. one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they rewrote them because of racism, but because there wasn't enough racism, they were like, Man, we should really turn this up and hit the whole racism. It's a little thing too a little clean. Bit. There's but, this new great thing going around. It's called racism. <laughs> we should add it in, yeah? Extra, extra, read all about it. Racism. Uh, really, racism took off uh, at this point. Um, but, yeah, like, like it's just they're, they're painted as kids. Yeah. And I feel like in the new versions, like, they're really trying to insist that, like, these are detectives that, are, that know detective children. things, that know to scrape up a car to check its paint colors. Yeah. Like, they, these things are foregone conclusions for them. As we're here, they're very much being taught these things as amateurs which is so much more interesting to read yeah um but yeah i I, i'm just i wonder what we'll see when we explore part three i could have stopped a lot of times we stop it right there but i feel like i i snuck up that ending on you i didn't know if you had more to say i didn't i don't i don't i don't know what happens next you know it's just one of those things where I am also just excited to see what comes in part three. That was the same rhyme I used to see in three. Oh, was it? Yeah. I just uh, wanted to make sure that if I ended the episode, it wasn't unwanted. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't an unwanted ending. No, I'm of fine the chapter. With it. It's not unwanted to me. I mean, you can do whatever you want. It's just it's a situation of uh I'm not gonna sit here and plea for us. <laughs> To do more until we get to part three. That's okay. Hey, last time you hit this one out of the park with your guess of how long our episode was. Oh, yeah. How long do you think we've been recording? Ooh, uh, I'm going to go 39.46. Uh, 58 minutes. Oh, we way no off way. This time. Yeah, we got carried away. Whoa. This is a good okay. time. Okay, yeah. People are going to be happy. We're getting, we're getting long with these. I think people will be happy. I really don't know. I, I assume that people want like if we could do a four hour episode, oh, that's then everyone what, would be listening yeah. to it. Yeah, because people, people would be like, subscribing to Patreon at that point because they're like, finally, we're getting the material we yeah, want. We deserve not these, this long of an episode. Yeah, crap. They deserve our money. Ones. Yeah, I'm gonna pay. I want four hours. And a lot of podcasts like you listen to while you drive, but this is a podcast where people like sit in their family room 
and like yeah, turn scotch, on the stereo cigar, yeah, yeah. with their family and they like play checkers on the floor as they listen because this takes them back. Oh, this okay. takes them back to we're, the 20s. We're in a totally different mindset here. Okay. I was thinking it's a man alone. He's robed. Uh, but yeah, you're right. This a robed is, man. He, he was a robed man. Uh, the family was unwounded. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> unwounded. I forget how you no, said. I, I was imagining like the old timey like. I like that. This predating is more television. A, this maybe is like, this is a whole community thing. Kids, come in here. The Hardy and Sons podcast is about to start. Extra, it's on. It's extra, on. Extra. We're really big in the 1950s, by the way. They love us back yeah, then. This is this is a very like this is the retro yeah. like come in second come around of the Hardy and Sons podcast. Like we were big. Ask your parents. Your parents will love Ask us. Ask your parents. Yeah, they about, grew up listening to us. Yeah, they they may not remember all the details, but they remember listening to the Hardy Kids and Sons Kids nowadays. Podcast. They were confused at what a podcast was at the time. Yeah. Um but now I, I feel like well, I mean we were uh, we were a radio show. Mm-hmm. And we still are. We've we're just visionaries. We're ahead, of, we're, ahead yeah. of the, we're ahead of the curve. We're like George Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and George Lucas would want to see. Oh, I went see again. <laughs> Come on. I think there's I mean, more words that so rhyme easy. with that. Yeah, there's yeah. more words that rhyme with three than yeah. any other word. Sean, come on. My jolly gee. G. G. I think it's is pronounced it G. G. No one says Jolly Gee. Yeah. Gee is it? I was uh, going to say, except a samurai <laughs> yeah. would say, and I may try on a Gee when we record part three. <laughs> <laughs>